Hello and welcome. This is Lights Out and away we go with the episode with the Formula 1 podcast for fans and by fans. I'm Will and as I look across the digital garage, as always, I'm joined by my co-driver, or should I say my co-host Sam. Hello Sam, how are you? Hello Will, hello again listeners. I'm very well, thank you mate, how are you? I'm very good. We've we've had a week off, you know, we're making the most of it being pre-season we'll get into you know getting into shape ready for the new season mm-hmm. we're back here to review testing and what's all that's happened over the last couple of days but before we get to that did you have a good week off i did yeah it was very pleasant thank you yeah uh i spent some time with my sister and her family nice. which was really nice very wholesome uh it, it rained an awful lot so we spent quite mm. a lot of time drinking tea and eating biscuits probably nice. far too many biscuits um that was really nice uh, i had a day in london as well did some londony things it was really good uh, and then spent most of the weekend chasing my toddler around outside. She's a bit flower obsessed at the moment, and all the daffodils are out. So, yeah, she doesn't take a huge amount of entertaining locally at the moment. She just takes her to the local estate, let her off, let her off the lead, as it were, and let her charge around <laughs> after all the flowers, which is quite cute. Very good. Um, but yeah, it's very nice. How about you? How's your week been? Yeah, very, uh, very chilled. Um, been away this weekend doing some wedding prep. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm getting married in. A few months time now, two months now, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, trying not to count down the days too much. Um, so yeah, my partner had to get a dress fitting, whilst I had to look after the the cake order and the cake flavors, decide which one we're going to get. So that was exciting. Mm. And yeah, and then just uh, came back today, and here we are now recording the podcast. Um, <laughs> did you manage to catch much of preseason testing the three days in Bahrain? So because I was away, I saw I saw snippets. I think I mm. saw quite a bit uh, actually on Thursday after I got home. Um, so that was quite good to sort of catch up a little bit and see where we were and, and get a sense from, if nobody else, then I guess the Sky Sports punditry crew, what they thought about where certain teams were and stuff. And we got to hear from quite a few drivers. I did make a, make an effort to watch all of, and I recommend all listeners to do this, of course, because he is the best thing about Sky Sports, <laughs> uh, to watch all of Ted's notebooks Ooh, after the uh, after each t- testing days. They're all on YouTube, really good. They're like 25 minutes long. Uh, and he's just typically hilarious uh, and talks to various drivers about how they're doing and what they think about what they think about their chances and stuff. So yeah, that was really good. Um, so yeah, I didn't I didn't watch as much as I did last year. Last year I was pretty religious about it. I think I watched like, if not most of a day or two, it was quite a bit. Um, but yeah, this year a bit less. But still, I've, I feel like I've seen enough to get me excited for the coming season. How about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I find it this year that I was just kind of dipping in and out of it. It's kind of a hard one to watch just for like half an hour or an hour on, on end, I think, because sometimes it really just depends on what, what's going on. So like you sometimes just see a couple of cars going around. And I did enjoy the commentary because a lot of it was just like they were having their own sort of podcast. They were chatting everything <laughs> about all sorts, um, which was quite entertaining. Um, but yeah, I saw I saw most of the teams run uh, over the three days. Um, I did enjoy it on the first day at like seven o'clock in the morning, sat there having my breakfast, phone on the side watching sky sports uh f1 to get it like as soon as it started that was just that was quite good just to see you know start the day and get me excited for the new season and it's good because we now we really don't have long to wait until you know lights out of the first race yeah um you know a matter of days now and obviously with the race being on a saturday we've got one less day to to go as well so uh yeah i'm i'm very excited i mean i think i went through a real range of emotions during testing because after the first day well the start of, before the first day i thought oh, here we go we've got red bull they've done something quite innovative have they gone the wrong way i sort of following believing that narrative i thought hey you know we've got a mclaren the kids make a step uh you've got red uh you've got ferrari that you know 
looked quite good as well in the, from the renders and stuff. And then you've got Merc, who are a bit more of an unknown quantity with a completely newly designed car. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, here we go. Because someone's going to do it, and we're going to have a real battle. And then the first, at the end of the first day, I think Max was a second, nearly a second quicker than everyone else. And I, I think I met you being like, "Well, that's the season sorted then." Um, <laughs> and I, I think everyone was quite despondent in the F1 community because I think it looked after that first day that it was sort of game over. And I think I saw comments from Fernando Alonso maybe after the first second day. He said, "Well, there are 19 drivers now in the grid that now know that they're not going to be world champion this year, whereas Max Verstappen <laughs> does." So. You know there is still that fear, but you know as as the three days evolved, it looked like you know there's still a lot to be decided. But it looked like maybe Ferrari might have closed the gap, and we might have a bit more of a contest, which is all we are praying for. All we are praying <laughs> for. Um, yeah. How how did your emotions feel over the few days of testing and and sort of yeah. the different narratives that emerged? Yeah, not not dissimilar to you actually. Um... I think I've I, I've long held the suspicion that all yeah I'm sort of sure so many as so many pundits have that like Red Bull will probably be the team to beat again this year they'll probably be quite good uh, and the gap will be relatively significant. Um, the hope, as you say, is that Ferrari and or Mercedes can close the gap to an extent that they just give their drivers a chance. And I feel like we got there after three days. So I agree with you. Like by the third end of the third day, and having watched quite a bit on Thursday. I felt much more kind of excited for the race, knowing that clearly Ferrari in particular have a much better race package than they did last year. Last year, they were kind of team Saturday, weren't they? Like mm. six six pole positions, could never make it work on a Sunday and often lost out to, to other teams as well they were chasing. So um, it feels like they've solved that problem and that was a really significant one for them. Um, so if they can just give particularly Charles Leclerc a chance to chase down Max Verstappen and, and make a bit of a fist of it, that's good. That's just good for us, I think, as fans. And similarly with Mercedes, I think their progress was a bit, uh, I guess, less, less, uh, I guess, less exciting probably than Ferrari. It took them three days to set the car up somewhere that looked <laughs> comfortable for the drivers, which isn't anything new. We've seen that quite a bit over the last twenty-four months. But again, if they can get the car into a place where both their drivers are more confident um, and can chuck it a bit more, for want of a better phrase, you never know, right? You never know. Um, maybe there's a chance they can they can chase Max down. I think my sense from testing is Ch- Ch- Checo is the one that's most at risk <laughs> out mm. of all of this. I think because his his Saturday performances weren't great last year, and he relied on the fact that Ferrari, in particular, but often Mercedes as well, struggled so much in race trim and managed to shoot his way up the grids after a poor qualifying on a Saturday, albeit this week it's a Friday because the race is on Saturday, as you say. Um, Whereas now it looks like those two teams have really sorted out, particularly their race trim, their race pace. And he may find it more difficult if he doesn't put the performances in during qualifying. So that that was something that sort of leaped out at me a bit. But in general, I think Max will be quite far ahead. Mm. It's just a question of how quickly Mercedes and Ferrari can close the gap over the course of a season. And if they can at all, really. But still, there was enough there over the course of three days, but particularly on the Thursday to sort of keep me hopeful i suppose okay okay that's good so i think before we we're, we're going to go and pick out a few teams and just discuss mm. what we think from what we've seen from testing and sort of all around that as well i suppose that you know the the, the great thing about preseason testing is it's such a strategic game because you don't know to what extent people are sandbagging people are hiding performance people are going flat out doing like glory runs and it, you know it's just one of the great things i think about formula one because you know you compare it to football 
no one in pre-season in football before the season starts goes out and like deliberately plays badly or you know <laughs> decides not to put the tactics into they're going to play for the season like they really use it to get into place whereas for one it's like no we won't show our true hand because that will give the game away so that is, yeah, I, lo- I do love all the different like strategy part of it and like or we can't give a hand away or you know we'll introduce something to the car that's not actually going to be on the car it's you know i think that's that's a brilliant part of Formula one i think red bull you know they they played it quite brilliant i think i think from their from their launch mm-hmm. they had everyone thinking surely not because their car i think we said this uh you know before we start recording the car is not that radical from last year's one but it's like it's, it's like a very clever evolution and the bits they brought in are amazing i mean i think the bit behind the is it behind the driver's head it's yeah. like the torpedo tubes the intake um, yeah. yeah that just looks amazing like so so clever and the inlet the radi- uh, radiator inlets at the side pods mm-hmm. like the, the thin gaps they've made as well just and the vertical ones as well it's a very i mean it's a real work of art that red bull and i'd love to see what's the under on the floor of it as well because i think then we see it last year once he got craned but when uh, perez had one of his many trips off in monaco yeah, and it was a it was a real work of art, and I'd love to see what they've done this year as well. But um, yeah, the Red Bull I thought looked impressive, and I think Max, like I say, he looks comfortable and he looks good in it as well. So it's, I think he's going to be hard to beat in it. But yeah, I, I was very impressed by the Red Bull. I thought it was a real, you know, it just shows you the genius of Adrian Newey, right? These ground effect cars are just playing perfectly into his expertise, and he seems he seems to be leading the field, right? I think he's yeah. he seems to be doing things that other teams aren't doing or you know he, there's some bits that look similar to old mercedes cars and he's actually probably made it work together as one complete package so uh yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of the red bull uh, what what what's your assessment of this year's red bull you, you sort of talked a bit about earlier about checo but overall what's your views on the, the latest rb yeah car? they look they look really strong and yeah some of the innovations the ones you've listed there particularly the the intakes on the in the side pods the little l shape that they've created rather than just one one uh, intake for the engine cooling that's really innovative um and yeah i'd love to i'd love to see what's going on under the floor but i don't think we'll get that unless one of them bins the car relatively quickly in the season um well, there's always checker there's always checker well there's checker you know we'll go to monaco and there are a few street circuits where that kind of thing does start does happen so you never know but um yeah they're, they're just in a really great position aren't they really i mean they were building from a position of extreme you know supreme strength they won 23 of 24 races last year or 22 or 23 whatever it was um yeah, they're building from a position of strength. Um, and yeah, they've clearly added something to this year's car um, that's really going to drive further performance this year. Like lap time, I'm sure, will come down quite a bit. Um, and Max just seemed very chipper, which should be scary for everybody. I mean, I know he's going to yeah, he's going to be relatively chipper now. Right? He's got three world championships and 55, 56 wins or something mad already now. Um, and yeah, he's driving a car that, he can be really confident about because they built such a good one for him last year. Um, but yeah, he just looks serene all, all through testing. Checo struggled a bit more, um, which, which again is a bit of a worry for him, I think, because last year he had the upper hand early doors because the car was a bit more favorable for his driving style. Mm. And then Red Bull sorted it out for Max and he went on that ridiculous run of winning however many races it was in a row up to Singapore. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a long season for everybody else, but I'm sure it'll be a very fun one for Red Bull. Yeah, they just look like they've got a great package um i know the elephant in the room is the christian horner investigation and we'll see how that plays out over the next couple of weeks but i think even with that you know the team is still performing at a really high high level and yeah they've got a fantastic driver who's probably gonna 
spend most of this year enjoying himself, as Alonso yeah. uh, seemed to allude to during his press conference. Yeah, I think the uh, the hope for Formula One fans is that with this innovation that they brought to the car, that they, they've kind of hit the ceiling of the development of these cars and that, you know, then, then everyone can sort of catch up with them because there's not much more time they can find. Whereas I think I, I think I saw something saying like James Allison was saying with the old uh, type of cars before they switched over, like they just kept on finding more and more performance year and year and year. And so fingers crossed, you know, Red Bull hit that ceiling and then everyone else can sort of join them at the top. Mm. But um, yeah, I feel like Red Bull, you know, there's rumors of them being three tenths quicker than the next team or it's as, as big as eight tenths, which is... No, that is that is quite a big gap, right? Three yeah. tenths is three tenths is a decent gap, but eight tenths is a is a different game, right? That's that's easy, right? Um, and I th- I I think you know to know where that Red Bull really is at compared to its, the rest of the field will be the end of the first race and the gap between Max if he's first and whoever is in second, because if it's a Ferrari and he's twenty five thirty seconds ahead, I think we should be very very worried for a good few races because. You're just gonna go on a run, right? No, no one will be able to get near him if he's if he's posting a gap of 25 seconds after his first race. And you know, Checo, I think you're right. Checo is the one to watch because last year he did start very well and got a couple of wins early on. And if he if he isn't in that conversation at all, I'd be feeling very very nervous for him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Should we yeah. talk about Ferrari then? As our yes, as our hope. Well, yeah. well I, I think well, Mercedes are in the bracket too. When we talk about them, but Ferrari for me anyway are the they're the hope this year. Well, all I can say is I'm just I'm just getting myself ready to become a massive Ferrari fan next year. But so this is this for me. This is like they've, they've developed the car in a really good way. It's like it's like they're getting ready for the greatest driver of of, of all time to come and you know join their team. So this seems like a really good step from last year's car. I think for me, it looks like they've kind of sacrificed a little bit of their one lap pace, which you said they're really good for to just have better long running race pace, which is what was desperately needed because, you know, I think in our last episode, we were talking about with Alistair that, you know, sometimes Charles would be on pole and then he would never be in the conversation even for a podium. So they knew they needed to change something. And I think also the tire degradation on the new car is much better as well. Mm. Um, the drivers seem quite happy. I think they made some quite good gains in a lot of different areas. They've listened to their feedback and they seem very happy at the launch as well, saying the car that they tested in the simulator was very good. Um, also, also should say it does look a very nice car. Uh, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna rank our oh say our favorite and worst liveries later, but I'm just gonna say Ferrari. They know what they're doing with these liveries at the moment. They've 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 got rid of the stupid mission win now ones from a few years ago, and they're definitely on a, they're on the right path because I'm a big fan of that. But yeah, big fan of the Ferrari. What about you? Do you, do you think they can do it? Do you think it's do you think they can really give Max and Red Bull a run for the money? I think that I think they can at some races. That's my hope. So I don't mm. I don't necessarily think we're going to see a close title fight uh, or anything like it. But I think we may see Ferrari win more races than they did last year, knowing they only won one, and everybody else, every every everyone, every other one was won by Red Bull. So I think we'll get better. We should hopefully have a bit more than that this year, mm. largely because uh, I really rate Charles Leclerc, as you know, um, and anything they can do to basically put the car in a in a window that he's more comfortable in and he can attack with uh the better because he is by far and away their best asset right now until lewis joins them next year of course um hmm. as so as for so many teams yeah it's the same reason red bull set their car up for max verstappen or try and set their car up as best for max verstappen because they know their best asset is their fastest driver um so yeah i'm, I'm quite excited for ferrari um 
I think they'll find themselves regularly on the podium. It's going to be a really interesting fight with Mercedes. I think I think we'll probably see Ferrari closer to Mercedes than we will Red Bull at the start of the Ooh, season. Interesting, but, interesting. But hopefully, uh, that doesn't necessarily stay the stay the you know maintain that status quo throughout the whole year. And I do think there'll be some races where Ferrari are just really strong. They do take a take, you know, take the fight to Red Bull, and you never know. You know, crazy races, bit of rain here and there. You never know. Maybe a, a really good strategy call made by Ferrari. Heaven forbid. Um, sees them take advantage and, and they pick up more wins than last year. Um, that's the hope, anyway. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited for them. The car, as you say, seems much more pliable for the drivers. It's much better on its tires. Yeah, its Sunday pace should be much better than last year. Um, and I think as well, like they may as well have just compromised on qualifying pace. I mean, they've got Charles Leclerc, who is one of, if not the best, one lap driver on the grid. So. Why not just take a bit off of qualifying, let Charles Leclerc demonstrate his class, get the car as high up the grid as possible, but ready for a Sunday, and then prioritize your race pace. So yeah, I think they've I think they've made all the right moves. The Fred Fredolution or Fred Volution, whatever they're calling it, it's in full swing. And yeah, fingers crossed, they're a bit closer to Red Bull than last year, and we can see them giving Max a run for his money more often than last year. That's my hope anyway. Yeah. On the Fred Evolution, it does seem like they are a much happy campers as a whole team mm-hmm. and they are, they're sort of going in the right direction. I mean, we need to see them what they're like in a race because we've seen them fumble a race many a time, but you know, it seems like the development is going in the right direction. They've not, they've not gone backwards, which we've seen in previous years. Sometimes we've had Ferraris be really good one season and then the next season just completely fall away. Um, I suppose also we've also seen with Ferrari is that they've been very good in preseason testing. It comes to the season. They're not really a factor at all. So I think for them, they really need to build some momentum from this and and have a good strong start to the race. And I, I think for them, success in the first couple of races just to see how close the gap is to Max, and then just try and get as many, you know, fill, just fill the rest of the podium with the two of them because um, I think that like that like they they didn't really do very well in the constructors last year when you think how good that car was mm-hmm. and the fact they won a race. So yeah, I think it's probably a worthwhile sacrifice getting rid of some some Saturday pace for Sunday. Um, I, I, The optimist in me, this is probably the optimist in me that's desperate for more of a contest year, thinks they probably are closer to Red Bull than they are to, to Merck. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think they, you know, we'll come on to Merck in a second, but like they, they know what, they know what car they had and they've advanced, they've advanced it and they've made a step forward. Whereas I think Merck, they're kind of almost like starting again, but from a much more reliable base this time. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged by Ferrari, and I, I think let's see let's see how they do next weekend because oh, it wouldn't, wouldn't be great if we had was it two seasons ago? Yeah, where we had twenty two. Yeah, it was, I just remember a great duel between Max and Charles several t- for several points out of the race. Like it'd be great if we could return if that if that could be the race next week, right? Um, I think that that would, that would give a lot of F1 fans quite a lot of encouragement that we actually are probably going to have more of a contest if the first race is tighter and there's a, there's a bit of a battle but yeah want to see i mean ferrari were quickest uh for two of the days on preseason testing but they weren't getting carried away with that then no one was thinking that they were the quickest but they definitely got pace if they can if they can you know be the quickest and yeah i'm encouraged i'm encouraged mm-hmm. let's come on to merc um lewis's last season i mean there was lots of drama about lewis revealing for the first time in the press conference about his reasons for going yep. but, and we're not going to cover that uh, today because we're here to talk about preseason testing um but the car you know i think is much better than last year's already it looks yep. much more predictable than last year's car 
and I think they kind of feel confident in developing it and it doing what they want it to do as well. And I think the drivers seem happier and the drivers seem like they've been listened to, which feels kind of <laughs> mad when you've got someone called Lewis Hamilton, who's a seven-time world champion in your team. Um, I've heard, I've not seen you, but I've heard in the latest Drive to Survive some awkward bits when he's like, I told you the car was rubbish. And they're like, yeah, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, we didn't doubt, we didn't believe you. Um, but yeah, what's your take on, on the, the new Mercedes? Yeah, there's hope for the night of the realm yet uh, <laughs> being listened to. Um Yes, no. They've definitely they've definitely progressed well. I think they've got a. They keep calling it a more stable platform and a more. They kept calling car more drivable, didn't they? Which I was making a bit mm. of a joke about last time we were on the pod. Um, but it, it certainly seemed that way through testing. The drivers seem much happier. They've moved the cockpit position further back, which definitely helps Lewis. And yeah, there are some interesting kind of details and innovations on the Mercedes as well. So in the same way, there's some interesting stuff on the Red Bull. I thought um, the Mercedes new front wing looks really interesting. Lots of teams quite interested Very in that and hopeful. Yeah, I think I think Mercedes are kind of hopeful. It adds enough performance that they sort of maximise what they've got, but not so much performance that loads of teams get hissy about it and start complaining about it to the FIA. Um, but yeah, that was quite an interesting innovation. And then, yeah, the rest of the design, it's sort of in line with the direction they changed to midway through last season. Um I think what did they call what did George call the call the car last year's car? I think he called the he called it the W thirteens evil sister or something. And the <laughs> W thirteen was really horrible. So um yeah, I think both drivers you could just tell are just pleased. Um they're driving something that's a bit more user friendly. Um and hopefully they can get, get the best out of it. And they've got a really good driver line up there. I mean both both drivers are obviously fantastic. Um and as I say that you know, these teams they've sort of particularly Mercedes, but for a couple of others as well, it's almost like they've woken up and remembered that their biggest asset are the drivers. Um, and listening to them is quite an important part of making this work. Um, like Ferrari don't win all those championships in the early 2000s as Michael Schumacher isn't there, giving them really clear directions about what he wants. I think it's the same with Red Bull. Like They really have built the car around Max, built the team around Max. And it was the same with Mercedes, with Lewis. Like You need the drivers to be the leaders of the kind of direction of travel. Um because they're the ones who have to get the most out of whatever it is you build for them. And yeah, it seems like both both Mercedes and Ferrari have, mo- have made that change. And yeah, for Mercedes, it's it's kind of, it's a really interesting one because there's a lot of chat on Twitter about the fact that they've been sandbagging and engine mode and all the rest of it. But I feel like, all, as you say, all teams are up to that. And there are so many variables during testing, like tyres and setup and weather conditions and whatever else. Like You never know where teams are really, um, particularly when they're so closely matched as it looks like Ferrari and Mercedes are. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued to see where they are actually next next weekend. Um, it's hard; to, it was hard to tell necessarily during testing. Whereas, like, you could sort of tell Red Bull were ahead, and Ferrari were definitely closer on race pace. But with Mercedes, it's a bit more difficult. The way they ran their testing was a bit different to everybody else as well. They didn't like go for any pace runs until Thursday. Um, so yeah, I think they t- and as I say, they got they took a bit longer to get the car into a setup that was fast and that both drivers were happy with but they got there on Thursday. So yeah, it's it's going to be really interesting like first weekend for them. And I think as I said at the start of last year, something Mercedes generally do very well is develop the car through the season. So they'll be quite confident that if they're within, you know, a tenth or two of Ferrari or within a half a second of Red Bull, they'll feel quite confident about being able to close that gap over the course of the year, I think. Um so yeah, it's quite it's quite it's exciting. It's exciting to see where they are. I don't think they'll be challenging for the win, sorry to say, uh, Mercedes fans. But um both drivers are happy. That can't be a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think 
I think the Mercedes is probably one to watch to see how it develops over the season because I think mm-hmm. it could be a very different car and a very different, a very different threat by the end of the season. But at the moment, like you say, it seems to be too too early to say. But I, I think it's similar to you. I think it's just too early to. It, it it would be too much of a miracle, right, for the for this new car to be as good as the Red Bull, right? Like it just that's too much to ask of a team to do, especially a team that struggled so much. I don't think I don't think they've gone backwards at all. I think they I think they're probably the third quickest team. But it's just you know how far off they are from Ferrari and then from a Red Bull is is hard to say at the moment. Mm. Um, and that's why probably that's probably why I think Ferrari are probably closer to Red Bull. But I agree with you. I think Mercedes, if they if they've got a stable, reliable car, I think they'll develop it really well, and we'll we'll see them come into the fore. And also, we we've seen over the last two years, right? Mercedes have had terrible cars and have still managed to maximise them. And I think you're right with their driver lineup. If they're both happy and they're both confident starting the season. Yeah, I feel like they're going to do well. Um, I feel like let's just quickly mention Aston. Mm. They seem to have rediscovered their mojo a little bit. I mean, I don't think they made a step up to be in the top three teams, which is probably what Lawrence Stoll is probably demanding right now back in a back at base. Mm-hmm. But they seem to have they seem to be in a better place than they were towards the end of last season because. They got very lost, I think, during last season with the development of that car, and it seems to be like they've returned to a strong place. And I think, yeah, we'll come to a second, but them and McLaren, it's still too early to say where they're at. But at least, at least Aston seem in a good place, and also uh, Fernando Alonso seems relatively happy with the car, which is probably quite an important thing for them to be able to keep him because. He is he is playing quite a game at the moment publicly about his his future intentions, and I don't I don't know how how much I'd enjoy that if I was Lawrence Stroll, someone that's so open openly flirting with the idea of going elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but you know, the best they can do for him right, is give him a good car. Um, but I don't I don't think we uh, would you can you see them being the third quickest or second quickest team, or do you think that's too much to ask at the moment? I think that's probably too much to ask. They they are a bit of an enigma along with McLaren, mm. who we'll talk about. Um, I think either way. They will be a, a bit a bit further ahead than they were towards the back end of last year. Um, I mean, obviously last year after testing, they were clearly the second fastest team, and then over the course of the season, were steadily overtaken by three others in the shape of McLaren, Ferrari, and Mercedes. So, I think the hope for them this year is that they're sort of solidly ensconced in fourth place, and they can build from there. But as you say, yeah, the drivers seem relatively happy. Yeah, Alonso, he's like it's almost like he's. I don't know if he's trying to get sacked or he's just trying to get himself into trouble, but <laughs> he does seem to be on a one-man mission to like be as outspoken and outrageous as possible. I mean, he's been throwing shade all directions for like the last week and a half. We like, said, we said, lo- he we threw s- loads at Lewis, didn't he, about the Ferrari yeah. move and started taking the, taking the piss out of him a bit. Um, and then yeah, he's been flirting with Mercedes. He had a massive moan about the fact that they only had three days of testing. And as you caught any of that, he was like fuming yeah, yeah, yeah. about it, just decided randomly this year after what nearly 20 years in the sport this is the year i'm going to start complaining about how much testing is available to us as drivers at the start of each year and it's just yeah he's just in a weird it's just weird he's just i don't know he's in particularly rambunctious he's he's always got he's always got it in his locker and we said this has always come at some point yeah Uh, and if this is how it's starting i can't wait to see how the rest of the season goes (laughs) because especially if aston doesn't do very well he'll get more and more public and he'll start saying you know Mercedes, hire me, like, and they just see the reaction to that. But uh, I wonder if yeah. I wonder if any of this is because he sort of flirted with the Mercedes seat, and they firmly come in and said, "No, not happening." Because um, he can't be, like, if you're Mercedes, if you're Toto Wolf, and you operate Mercedes, and let's put it this way, Mercedes are quite a a sensible corporate 
kind of a team. Mm. Like, fair enough, if you're talking about a Red Bull seat, uh, you know, I say Red Bull, not really much, not really these days, but sort of 10 years ago, Alonso being the outrageous figure he is, absolutely fine. I'm sure he'd get on, like, really well there. But Mercedes, like, Toto Wolff's never going to hire somebody who spends the whole time, like, slagging everybody off, including their own team, and flirting with driver, flirting with moves to other teams and stuff openly in the press and stuff. It's just not how they work. So mm. I wonder if he's sort of been told it's not happening and he's... Don't know. Yeah, a bit of fun. Uh, it's hard. It's hard to say, really. I mean, I, you know, not not to go into driver transfers too much, but I think Mercedes are waiting to see what happens with Antonelli in F two, mm-hmm. and you know, then because then Alonso becomes quite attractive option for like a one or a two year deal while they wait for Antonelli just to get a bit more experience. But when you're saying about Red Bull, I mean, mm-hmm. could that could that be could that be silly pure silly season? As is as the Checo replacement, they decide not to go with Sonoda or Ricardo or Lawson, Christian Horner if he's still there, or Red Bull decide to do something a bit mad. I mean, so I, I don't think Red Bull are an evil organization, but if you're a they fan would be. of, <laughs> yeah, if you're a fan of any of the other teams, as for the most part on this podcast we are, we're not massive Red Bull fans. We both kind of like Ferrari and Mercedes as, as our favorites. Let's say if. Like it, it does become a bit of an axis of evil quite quickly if Alonso moves in as well, and you've just got yeah, yeah Horner, very, Alonso, Verstappen to dislike all up to their up to their tricks together. I kind of feel like Horner and Alonso would be oh scary. It's like it's like a it's like the evil version of the Avengers assembling. Like it's like mm. <laughs> all the all the villains of the Marvel universe come together as one. Thanos um, and his crew. Yeah, God. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, that would be amazing, though. I mean, fair play if you did go there. That would be fantastic, yeah. kind of for the sport, kind of a move, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, mix things let, up. Let's let's not let's not get yeah. carried into because there's so much fun to speculate on driver moves. Um, you, we're now going to talk about a couple of surprises. I think there's three we want to cover. Mm. You wanted to mention McLaren. Yes. Why? Why do you think McLaren are one of the surprises for you so far? Uh, they were surprisingly nowhere during mm. testing, and you could just tell, like the particularly Lando. He doesn't really hide his emotions very well, Lando. And he was, you could just tell he was disappointed. And when Ted uh, in his shorts was talking to Lando in the notebook about the prospect of podiums and stuff, he was just, he just shut it down. He was like, no, there's no chance of us finishing on the podium anytime soon, wow. kind of thing. Wow. So, yeah, I think for him uh, in particular, it's obviously hit them a bit hard this testing. And they've had some issues as well. They had like mechanical issues and missed a bunch of running time. So, yeah, the reason I put them in as a surprise is because their their trajectory was so good last year. They were on the upward, you know, from from that first upgrade onwards. They were so strong through the sort of middle and back end of last season, challenging, you know, they were challenging for the win in Singapore and but for some clever Carlos Sainz work, you never know, maybe maybe Lando could have won that race. It's Yeah, they were on such a upward upward curve or upward trajectory, it kind of felt like a bit of a anti-climax i guess in testing i was expecting a bit more for them expecting them to be a bit closer to to mercedes and red bull uh, mercedes and ferrari in particular but it looks like those two teams have sort of kicked on a little bit whereas mclaren look like this they've stagnated slightly i mean we'll see you never know with testing and as i say they lost a bunch of running time so maybe they're a bit nearer when we get to the race next weekend but yeah i was a bit um yeah a bit disappointed because as we talked about with alistair in the pod a couple of weeks ago um it's quite a big year for mclaren and you don't really want to start it off sort of firmly on the back foot like they were last year. Like last year, I know we talk we talked a lot about how great they were for, through the mid-season and towards the end, but the start was unbelievably painful for them. Like they were so far behind off the pace. 
and they had a good reason back then you know like they knew they were changing direction in terms of development they had this big upgrade coming and then it came and then great you know the car turned out to be much better and the drivers were happy and they picked up loads of points but and podiums this year the expectation is quite different um and i think if they are not regularly challenging for good points in the first few races i think they'll consider it um a pretty disappointing start so yeah it's kind of it's hard to know but it felt like they were a bit nowhere from from what i saw what did, what did you make of mclaren yeah i mean yeah i did i saw that they had a couple of unreliability uh problems yeah um and yeah i just i didn't seem really they just did not seem to be really in the conversation for one of the top teams out of testing and you know i saw a range of different people do their sort of ranking respectable people do their rankings and they weren't, like you said, they weren't in that top two or three, which is a bit of a surprise from seeing where they were last year. I mean, it seems, I saw when they had their car launch that their, I think it was one of their technical directors said that they'd missed some of their development goals again, which is, this is exactly what happened last year. They missed them and they had to bring up the packages. So I think the package they've got at the moment is obviously not where they probably wanted to start the season. But then again, you know, like I think you're right. You know, they're throwing away an opportunity and they yeah they had a great comeback last year when they got their season going but it's not really not really what you expect from a team that wants to be winning races and being at the top again to not really you know to get the development behind before the season's even started and then start on the back foot that just seems I don't know it seems poor from a team that really wants to be a winning in being at the front and have done so well over the last time. But I think the McLaren doesn't seem to be in as bad of a place as it was last year. I think like you're right, last year was terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, I was looking at the last year's race in Bahrain, sort of ahead of us previewing it, and I thought, you know, I, I forgot that Piastri DNF'd and and uh Lando was last by two laps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I d I don't think they're anywhere near that sort of performance, but I think, yeah, we were both so excited by their two drivers, by how well they did last year. We thought, oh, if they can just give them the tools to make a step further, that'd be great. And it doesn't seem like that's happened yet. But, you know, it's still early days. Um, they could they could bring a couple of upgrades the first couple of races, and next thing you know, they're, they're right in there. But, yeah, it feels a bit, a bit of a shame. Mm. Um, I suppose another team that is surprised for the wrong reasons is Alpine, which is not, does not look good. I mean, I saw something on Reddit today saying, like, the consensus is across many experts that they are the worst. The car looks heavy, doesn't look very agile, and it just it's gone gone badly wrong. I mean, yeah, that would be quite something. What did you what did you make of Alpine? Yeah, pretty poor. Um it feels like they're winding their way towards the team being, being sold. Sold. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean it's yeah, it's not a great time to sell the team now because clearly they're not gonna be valued as highly and um, they've sort of resisted the urge for so long now. Maybe they'll continue, but it's hard to know. And Renault is such a, you know, the way the Renault-Alpine relationship works is such a an enigma anyway. We talked a bit about that on, on an episode last year. It's worth going back and listening to if you're interested because um, they sacked a load of people, didn't they, midway through the season yeah. last year. Yeah. At short notice, like two days before a race or a day before a race, something. No, it was hours. It was a matter of hours, wasn't it, before yeah. the race started? Yeah, yeah. Or not, <laughs> Only Otmer, Otmer Safnau have sacked his team principal and walked yeah. out mid-race. Yeah, Um crackers uh yeah they did seem quite far back i mean it's going to be a race between them and Haas, i think for the wooden spoon um which, which is probably not which is really damning for yeah. a for a works team as well yeah um really damning and yeah i think i don't know i just i just feel like the best thing for everybody would be for that team to be sold and get andretti in the sport or whoever but yeah hard to hard to say but yeah it looked like they had a poor test as you say the car looks heavy that 
I mean, all the cars look heavy. Let's put it this. Let's be frank. Like the cars are enormous. They're still far too heavy, and bring on the twenty six regulations, etc. But that one in particular looks uh, quite a girthy car. Overweight. Um, overweight. Uh, as I am after my many biscuits over this week uh, with my sister. <laughs> um, yes, it doesn't look great for them. And uh, what's a what's a real shame? They've got two really strong drivers there, and it would be a real shame if you're seeing Gasly and Ocon finding it out for 17th next weekend mm. but it feels mm. quite possible that's what they'll be doing i think yeah i think that could be a real story to watch if they are where they where we think they are i think the noise around the team and how it's running and the operation and just the whole project will just become a big story i think in the sport um I, yeah it wouldn't surprise me i mean they did bring on some investment with those celebrity names but yeah i think ultimately renault will decide if they're not happy with where it's going mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. Like those two drivers, the two good guys, two on their day can be very good. And if they don't give them the tools, I think they're gonna find it really hard, and it'd be uh, be a shame to watch. I think I think there's meant to be an Alpine episode in Drive to Survive, which has just come out. I've not watched it yet, mm-hmm. um, but no, it'd be quite interesting to see all that turmoil because we did cover it. I think they were the only team that got a special last year for how bad things were going. So uh, <laughs> you never know; they might get a follow up this year if it, if it continues. Yeah. Um, I suppose the final team we want to talk about as a surprise is V Carb, Alpha Tauri, RB, Red Bull Two, Red Bull B, whatever, whatever we're calling them. Yeah. Basically, Toro Rosso. That's you know, the old the old junior team that's yep. no longer a junior team. That's now definitely a sister team. Um, I think a lot of people were quite afraid of them being straight up there in the top four or five teams. It doesn't look like that's happened. And that could be sandbagging. That could be them just getting the head around. I think I saw comments from Dan Ricardo saying this is not last year's Red Bull car. Yeah, which is you know for the sport that's a real relief because I think that would have been absolutely fast to give them last year's Red Bull car. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people were expecting them to be better than they were, but actually it seems to be like they're just slightly better than last year, and they seem to be a bit you know just just behind sort of that Aston McLaren grouping. Yeah, it's it's very marginal, isn't it? If they have improved, I mean, Ricardo had some good running, put in a few good laps. Um, really interested to see how he does in particular this season. But yes, I, I think um, everybody's pleased that it's not the RB nineteen um, tearing up the grid and challenging for podiums and stuff, which it probably would be. I would expect. Um, but I just I think as well. I mean, for teams like them, it's it's quite difficult to break into that like particularly the top three. I mean, Aston Martin and McLaren are, are there potentially for the taking early doors this season, but I don't think RB or Red Bull B could hold that fourth position, even if they wanted to over the course of a season, a full season. Um, but even then it's quite, it's quite difficult to bust into that, like top, top five te- those those top five teams based on last year, because they all made such good progress and got quite close to each other anyway. Obviously nowhere, no, nowhere near Red Bull, but those four in particular got quite close to each other. Um, yeah, breaking into that group after they've all made progress over the winter and obviously built cars that have moved them further forwards, it's going to be quite difficult. So yeah, I think it's a bit of a it's going to be quite a random season for RBB or Red Bull B. I think they'll mainly be looking to sort of try and take seventh place. Maybe they've got a chance at sixth potentially. We'll see. Um, but yeah, kind of a I don't know. I guess it's it's, it's hard to know. I mean, the best thing about that car's delivery. Um, I was going to ask about that. Mm, I like it. Are you a fan? I still, I still, I do still like it. Yeah, it's like I'm it. not sure. I need to see a bit more of it, but I think mm. the white at the front of the nose just annoys me a little bit. 
Have you seen the team? Have you seen the team outfits? No, I haven't. Oh, they're a mess. They're an absolute <laughs> mess. You've got bright white shirts with a range of sponsorships, and then they've got black trousers, which doesn't quite go with the white, hmm. with Hugo just on a mass in massive letters up the one of the legs. It, it looks like they've just scrambled around in the cupboard <laughs> and just found bits and pieces to give to people. Um, yeah, yeah, the livery. The, at least they've done something bold with the livery. It's not black, which it's is not nice. Black, yeah. That's crucial. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think yeah they'll be they'll be firmly ensconced in mid table, uh, lower mid table most likely, and yeah potentially challenging for points, mm. which is I think all the all you could ask for really if you're Ricardo or Sonoda. That's what yeah. roughly where they were last year, and if they can move a bit further forward, then great. But yeah, otherwise, kind of a a bit of, it, it remain a bit of an enigma really. I think we'll see. There are definitely similarities to the RB19. Like the suspension in particular looks really similar, um, but then so many teams have moved to Paul Rod on the rear suspension now in the same way Red Bull had so. It's just um, Ferrari and Haas, the only one that got pushed right or left, right? That's right, yeah. And it's, and yeah, it's gonna, that's gonna, that's really interesting, I think. Um, yeah, so, so Ferrari's, sorry, I don't know, it's not a technical podcast, but Ferrari's argument was that they didn't see enough aerodynamic benefit to them switching to Paul Road and cl- cl- totally repackaging the whole rear end and stuff for that benefit, whereas Mercedes clearly did. Um, and have made that change and all their customer teams have had to as well. So, yeah, very interesting on that. Um, from a nerdy perspective, mm. uh, we shall see. But uh, yeah, yeah, and so I think that covers the sort of the teams we wanted to deep dive on. Is there any other sort of uh, you know general thoughts you've got about what this means for the season, or is it? Do you think it's too early to make any sort of predictions or views on how things are shaping up for the season? Um, my my main view is that we'll see the same three ish teams that we saw challenging for wins toward or challenging for podiums towards the end of last year, challenging at the start of this year. Um, it'll be Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes. Um, the only question that remains is how close those teams are, and my sense is they could be quite far apart based on what we've seen. Sadly, hopefully not, but you know we live in hope. But apart from that, I don't. I, th- I think we'll see. Like the 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 the, the pack will definitely bunch up a bit more this year. Mm. I mean, they were relatively close last year, but I think yeah, yeah. this year we'll see them move sort of close together again, which is sort of the semi the purpose of these rule sets and the cost cap and things so that's a good thing for the sport and if it carries on in that in that direction then great you don't nobody wants to see Haas or Williams or anybody of these teams flailing at the back and being lapped three or four times over the course of the race um those days are over yeah which is good um but yeah apart from that I think we just have to wait and see really wait and see where we are qualify I think qualifying for Bahrain I'm quite excited for it's on Friday isn't it um it is so yeah hopefully I can catch some of that but um yeah, apart from that, I didn't really have any other like overarching thoughts about testing. I think it's, it's yeah, I think I think that's, I think you're right. There's been no, there's been nothing to radically shake up the order, right? Or there's been no. nothing to, there's no one's made a massive surge forward or a massive surge backward. I mean, there's a couple of people that have kind of not quite where they are, but there's been there's been nothing unexpected so far. Um, and I think actually we'll we'll see, we'll get the real pecking order come the end of the first race because yep. you'll see everyone going flat out. Um, before we go to a very quick pit stop, mm-hmm. what is your favourite and worst livery of this year? Uh, my favourite is the Ferrari. Yes, the yellow, the yellow and white lines are a good, a great yeah, addition, good. aren't they? Yeah, I like the yeah. lines. Uh, I like the ratio of red to black. I think it looks really smart. Mm. Uh, the numbers really pop as well. I think on the yes, red paint, yes, that really yeah. good. Uh, and obviously and the, the overalls, Ferrari over the, the and the overalls go very well with the livery as well. Yeah. Well, yeah, just look. They look a great outfit. Look a great, looks a great car. Fingers crossed it can challenge for wins. That'd be great. Um, but yeah, they're my favourite. Uh, the worst. 
it's close. I think the Alpine looks garbage. <laughs> um, so that's in the mix but I'm going to go for Red Bull because I mean I always I say this to you every year it's no different this year it's the same bloody livery that they use every single year and it's boring they should do yeah. something different at least you know just change it a bit um, but it's just the same colour palette same matte Red Bull colours and yeah boring even Matt you can tell even Max Verstappen when you know when your lead driver who literally does not give a toss what the thing looks like he just cares how fast it goes when your lead driver's openly going, yeah, it looks exactly the same as it did last year, and making a joke about it, like, you know, you probably should be doing well, working a bit hard on the livery. Mm. So yeah, Red Bull for me, rubbish. I feel like I feel like they need to do a one-off livery this year, just for just for something, for find find a reason to do a one-off livery. Like when they, you know, I feel that like was one of the great great tragedies of Formula One was when they announced they were going to do that Honda white livery mm. for Japan, and then it was the year of COVID, so didn't go to Japan so they did run it in Istanbul but that's one of the best one-off liveries we've seen and then there was I remember last year when Max won his world championship someone designed the Red Bull in like Max's helmet colors and it looked it looked amazing and I thought oh you know why not do that for a race but no it sticks to the thing and and my running gag I used to do on Twitter every year and I've not done it this year was like it's the office meme it's like it's Pam it's like corporate wants you to find the difference between the, these two pictures <laughs> they're the same it's the photos of the last the, the last this year's and last year's car like um, yeah no it's How a bit boring you? really what, what, what um, would you like my favorite this comes as no surprise mm-hmm. is the mercedes Cavill surprise <laughs> because i'm basically I'm a, I'm a massive fan of the black i love the black the w11 when lewis won in 2020 is probably my favorite ever car mm-hmm. um that pure black so that to keep that black nod is a very good like that's nice but then i think what's so clever is the incorporation of the silver because if you view it from the front it looks like a silver car but from the side it looks like a black car so like it's a very good like brand car i think they've done it very well and i there was a great shot i saw of it in testing where it was coming down the straight you see the silver and the next camera it cut to was it going around the corner and it was black i was like oh that's that is good it, it reminds me of like the renault of daniel ricardo and do you remember that when that was yellow and black yeah um, I thought that was very good. So, uh, nice. yeah, big big fan of that. My least favorite one is got to be the steak. It just looks like a Formula One game livery car, <laughs> and also it's so bloody green. Like, it's, it's very so... green. It's much more green than I thought. It... Yeah, I mean, when Alistair said last week that it burned into his eyes, I he probably seen it in the flesh. That so probably like I'm starting to see that as well. Um, yeah, not not a fan at all. Um, bring on Audi. Bring on bring on some good technical design. Some good innovative deliveries from them. Mm. Well, Audi um, brings some good colours with them, don't they? Yeah, yeah, like silver, red. Yeah, the the red, the orangey red they use sometimes yeah, is really yeah. nice. Um, yeah, and, and the silver, sil- the silver will be a good addition as well. Um, yeah, because we've not had that for a long time as well. Um, yeah, I think overall the you know probably one of the worst year deliveries. Right, there's a lot of there's not many standout ones, and there's a lot there's too much black because everyone's afraid to have that i actually thought um just quickly before we go to break i actually thought when i saw the, um the mclaren run on on friday i think it was it was going around a few corners i thought it, it reminded me of it was it spiker that mm-hmm. used to be in formula one with their orange and black like and yeah, yeah i just looked like that and i thought oh it's a spiker on the on the thing but <laughs> it was yeah. the start of last year where they were driving around the back yeah yeah true true right let's take a very quick pit stop
Hello, welcome back from the break. Hope you had a jolly old time. Right, Sam, big question for you right now. For the first time this season, who do you think is going to win the race next weekend? <laughs> I think Max Verstappen will win the race next weekend, Will. Oh, this is 2023 all over again. <laughs> <laughs> what a sellout. I know. We haven't even had any we haven't even had a proper race or we haven't even had a race yet to make that assessment. But yeah, I think it's hard to yeah. it's hard to look past Max already, sadly. What do you this think? This question yeah, probably the same. It's the it's the easy option, right? It's the obvious option. Um I feel like this question will be so much more entertaining in a few years' time when we have different people winning races regularly because there'll generally be different answers and there'll be more than just the well, he always wins, so that's the reason why he's the fastest and he's the reason why he's gonna win. Yeah. Um yeah. But now it's time to dust off our favourite from last year, yes, the predictions sir. game. It is back. It is back. For our first first round of the new season. And we, this will be our first full season as well because we brought it in after a few races as well. Um, do you want to give new listeners or old listeners a reminder of the predictions game yeah. and how we're going to do it this year? Um, and also, I don't think we've decided yet, what is the forfeit for... Oh, that's a good question. No, we haven't. Yeah. Oh, well, maybe, maybe we'll have to have to think about that. Yeah. Yeah, or, or maybe if you have any suggestions, dear listener, feel free to tweet us or drop us a message on Instagram. We'll share our details at the end. But yeah, yeah open your suggestions of what our forfeit could be because last year you had to buy a lovely Max Verstappen I did. World Championship, which I'm assuming you probably burnt to pieces and smithereens now. No, or, I, I do still you... have it. I will. I do still have it. I'm not sure right. what on earth I'm going to use it for or do with it. When you start decorating, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um... Or I'll wear it ironically at some point, uh, maybe to a, a birthday party you have or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> yes, I've still got it. Uh, okay, well we'll give the we'll give the forfeit a thought. So, listener, uh, if you didn't join us for any of last season, or if you missed uh, the very one of the early episodes where we talked about the predictions game, so what we do each week uh, is I use a run random number generator to give Will and I three numbers each and each of those numbers corresponds to a driver and their position in the World Championship. This week, we will be doing it according to the current order of the World Championship, which is in alphabetical order. So Alex Albon currently leads the Formula One World Championship, closely followed by Fernando Alonso. Um, And then we predict the position. We think those drivers are going to finish during the race. uh, And we have a agreement in place that the cutoff point is the point at which we start recording the race, uh, recording the race, recording the podcast, because the FIA doing FIA <laughs> things and awarding penalties, God knows how many days later and stuff we just can't deal with. So we record on a Sunday or a Monday. So we will uh, use the classification that's available to us at that point. Uh, and then you're awarded a point for every position out uh, you are from your original guest during the podcast. So the idea is to have as f- a few points as possible. Uh, and last year, it was quite close, wasn't it, by the end? I was surprised was. at how close it was. It was. Um, it was very close. You were sort of consistently winning for most of it. Uh, and then, yeah, it had a couple of like bad weeks. I had a particularly good one, I think, and the gap closed quite a bit. So, yeah, it was quite close. Um, but, yeah, this year, hope for hope for more of the same. We're going to throw a wild card or two as well into the cor- in, over the course of the season. Potentially on a sprint weekend, we'll do something a bit different. Um, look to add some new categories. But for the for the main main part of the season um and for for the game for the most part we will stick to uh, what we did last year so we'll have three drivers each uh will i'm gonna do yours now the number generator is ready how exciting here we go go. and even you know now you can't get you if you get number one it's not gonna be max verstappen so this is the only time you'll get to enjoy that privilege probably unless unless he dnfs last weekend unless he dnfs yeah you never know okay so first number for you is number nine and that is 
Great Britain's Lando Norris. Ooh, that's a good that's a good one to start with. Um I think Lando's gonna finish I'm gonna think he's gonna finish sixth. Okay. Good solid points finished for Lando. Yeah, it feels it feels a bit pessimistic, but I just think that you know what we're saying. Okay. Well this is a good start for you. God here, right here. Number five, his goatedness, Sir Lewis Hamilton. Oh, first time this season. Uh, you going for the it. win? Going for win number hundred and four? Uh, no, no. I think I think I'm gonna put Lewis fourth. Okay. Oh, wouldn't that be nice? So you don't. So well, so you don't think a Mercedes is gonna make the podium? That's interesting. No. All right. Sadly not. Uh, and then your last one, number nineteen. That is. I'm gonna have to scroll. <laughs> don't believe it. Number nineteen. You'll never guess. It's Max Verstappen. Am I actually? Yeah. Oh, what a what a what a great start! Uh, number one. Okay. Very oh, good. I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy with that selection. Oh, I, I would be. Yeah, I'd be very pleased. I mean, unless McLaren have a shocker. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest risk, right? But I think Mercedes and Red Bull, Lewis and Max, are pretty reliable, aren't they? I mean, there was some stat, wasn't there, last year? They were both. The, they were the only two drivers mm. that finished in the points every race for the first like twenty races or something. Yeah, yeah. Before Lewis probably got disqualified. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, before Austin, yeah. Or yeah, that, that, cause that came bef- that came before Qatar. I can't remember. Can't remember. It's all it was a long blur. season, wasn't it? It was. And it's, it's even longer this longer. year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, here we go. My first number is fourteen. That is George Russell. Ooh, both got both Mercedes. This is this is exciting. Okay. Uh I'm gonna go fifth for George. Nice. In between Lando and, six. and Lewis. Oh, number six is Nico Hulkenberg. Oh, Haas. So they're rubbish, aren't they? We haven't talked about Haas at all on this podcast. With good reason, no. they are truly awful. Um, they completed a lot of running, though. Don't think we'll see a DNF. But they're lacking Gunther Steiner. But they are incredibly slow. Uh, I'm going to go... L- He's quite good in races. I'm going to go 17th. I thought that's quite that's that's quite a good. You've covered your your bases there. Yeah, I've got. I think it's damage limitation given. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you've picked up, right? Number seven, Charles Leclerc. Oh. Okay. I think Charles Leclerc will finish second. Nice. I nice. Think Ferrari going to be strong, and I think he'll beat Checo. That's come on. That's that's hope speaking. Yeah, I like um, that. I like that a lot. Good. That'd okay, be... there you go. There's your first uh, first group of selections predictions nice nice those those are some i mean i feel like you got a, a broader range than i did but still some good ones to watch that's a good start for the season yeah exciting and uh just yeah i feel, I feel like this, this this software detect determined when uh we talk about Lewis Hamilton because you've gone purple. I know. What is uh, the word? I've gone. I've gone purple in sector three of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very very good. I greatly enjoyed that. Uh, right. I think that brings us to the end of the podcast. Fingers crossed for a good race uh, on Saturday, not Sunday. Very odd. I had to remind yeah. uh, my partner about this at the week uh, early early today. She was like, "Oh, what have we got planned next week?" And I said, "Well." There's a Grand Prix next weekend, so I'll probably watch that. She's like, oh, that's okay. We never do anything on Sundays. And I was like, well, not this wow. weekend because it's on yeah. Saturday. Bizarrely. Uh, same goes for Saudi. Um, but yeah, look forward to that. Uh, thanks very much for, for joining us. Remember to subscribe and leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, we are both on Twitter, as Will mentioned earlier. Follow Will are, um, at WPoiser and I am at Lights Out Sam. And on Instagram, we are at The Lights Out Pod. 
Yes. That, and I'm sure so next week we'll be awarding our first Latifis mm. of the season. Uh, we greatly enjoyed handing those out. Uh, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to dishing those out this season. Um, thanks very much for joining us. That's all from us. All the best. And goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>